Me too. <laughs> okay, uh, here we are at Logical and Right. Uh, that is Right with a W for Wright County. This is going to be our first official interview. Um, we have Angie Maria, correct? Mm -hmm. um, and you are the head of the local chapter or the county chapter for moms. The County chapter. The county chapter for Moms for Liberty. I met her at the last uh, monthly meeting uh, here in Buffalo and wanted to have her on uh, and have her explain what she's doing with Moms for Liberty. Um, and so I think I will turn it over to you to tell us about yourself, where you're from, um, and then, uh, yeah. We'll go from there. All right. So I grew up in Rosemount, Minnesota, and we moved up to the Hanover area about 20 years ago now. And my daughter has gone to gone to Hanover Elementary. She is currently in Buffalo Middle School Community Middle School, and there was just like one or two things that I noticed as she was going to school. We are. Native American by nature, and I have to register her as that with the school because we have our cards. And they would not let her be an Indian at the Thanksgiving play in kindergarten. So that made me like kind of start, what's really happening? And you don't really think anything's happening. And I just kind of let it go. I asked the teacher why, and she's like, we don't want to stereotype anybody. And I just explained to her that we are very proud to be Native American, and she would prefer to be a Native American in these, in these things. And if I needed to sign anything or whatnot, I, I would. And nothing ever happened again from that. And then kind of a lot of political stuff started happening and I heard Tina on the Sean Hannity show and she founded Bombs for Liberty in Florida. She's a school board member. She's seen lots of stuff going on as far as silencing parents and, and really dictating and indoctrinating kids in our public schools. And I loved her story. So I called her up and I said, I want to start a chapter in Minnesota. And that's kind of where it started. Cool. So far. Cool. Um, <clears throat> so, what uh, what happened recently for me is we uh, our daughter is in St. Francis, uh, the private school here in Buffalo, and we had a spring fundraiser, and I started talking to the parents. Uh, that we have become friends with and I said well what do we do after St. Francis because we're all a little terrified of what's going to happen out in the public schools and uh, one of the parents actually said we were just talking about this recently and they have three kids so it's going to be far more expensive for them to keep going <laughs> than it would be for us with just one child. Um, and we all just kind of started chatting about this. And I said, well, what, what if we were to just take back Buffalo High School 
and we started making Buffalo High School sane again uh, because I've heard a few stories um, coming out of there. But they all were kind of on board, uh, and then that's what kind of gave me the idea to have you be our first guest here. Uh, and then I've also thought of a story from my senior year in high school. I went to Edina High School, and I graduated in 2001. And that, if everyone remembers, obviously, the 2000 election, Gordon Bush, that went on, uh, that went on forever, um, I was in a current events class with uh, a teacher who I later found out through my wife, who is six years older than I am, uh, she lucked out big time by getting this young guy that you see before you. <laughs> uh, that this teacher that I just loved—I mean, he was—he was just funny. He was cool. He was laid back. Uh, was gay, smoked pot with the students. Um, in my wife's class uh, long before me, and obviously was very liberal. But what I'll never forget was, I believe it was the day leading up to the election, we had class, and he told us that he was not going to tell any of us who he's voting for, because he didn't want to influence us. Can you imagine that happening today? in a high school, a gay, pot-smoking, liberal, current events teacher telling the class that he doesn't want to influence their vote coming up that night. Right. I mean, and then uh, Edina, I think for a long time, was one of the most conservative-leaning and voting cities uh, of those, of the first, you know, the first-ring cities. Uh, and then I also remember being at the University of Kentucky and a friend, uh, a very left-leaning friend um, that I was talking to on AOL Instant Messenger, if we can all remember that, sent me an article saying that 2004 was the first year that Edina voted majority Democrat in its history, and obviously possibly a uh, recording, but... I mean, when you think of all of that together, that my teacher from 2000 to 2001, Edina then first voting blue in 2004, and what it's become now. Like, all, a lot of my friends uh, are still back in Edina. You couldn't pay me to live in Edina. Uh, in 1977, Edina, uh, by Newsweek, was voted the number one public high school in the country. I don't think, I, I, you couldn't even find it with a telescope now on whatever the rankings are. But, I mean, I've just heard total horror stories of what's going on there. Um, and so, basically... Makes you sad, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's unbelievable how far the public schools have fallen just from when I was there 20 years ago. Um, and so, again, that brings us back to you and... I'm thinking you just let us know, uh, and we will go wherever the conversation takes us, anything you want the mil surely millions of listeners to know about Moms for Liberty and what you're doing out here, and take it. So, 
What's been happening in the school districts is a long time in the making. In 1978, Jimmy Carter made the Department of Public Safety. Or we'll pause. So that was a little six-year-old interruption there. Uh, she will take it again from the top. So in 1978, Jimmy Carter started the Department of Education, which started federalizing our schools and taking away the control from the community. Um, in Minnesota, our, our districts are independent school districts, which means they can make their own rules and do their own curriculum based on what their community wants. And what I have learned, when I started Moms for Liberty, I really didn't think Buffalo had an issue. I was just more going on, you know, let's be a little proactive here. Let's do a little digging, see what's going on. Like, there's nothing going on. I mean, I've never really seen anything come home from my daughter's classes or teachers or in the classrooms. Not that I was hyper aware like I am now, but I wasn't then. And, and so the first time I tried to get some information was kind of a shocker. Like, you're not returning my emails? You're not answering my phone calls? Like, trying to call the superintendent and ask them like if critical race theory is being taught and I've learned since that that's the first thing you don't ask because they call critical race theory lots of different things and I am currently Moms for Liberty is kind of making a thesaurus for all the different acronyms that they have SEL social emotional learning I mean it sounds really great and beautiful but when you peel back that layer and you really look at what they're trying to teach our kids, it's not math, it's not reading, it's see what color they are and that's how you need to treat them. Because when you, critical race theory was started in colleges back in the 1960s and that's where it should have stayed, like just a, a theory you can't debunk theories. You can only prove them wrong, which it's been proven wrong multiple times. I mean, you have very successful people of color in this country and around the world. So that right there debunks their whole premise that you can never get anywhere if you are a person of color. And I personally take offense at being put in that uh, bucket because we can do anything and Lots of people will tell you that. So that was kind of shocking. I had 10 moms that were part of my group. We met. We weren't really sure what to do. Kenny kind of said, well, let's try talking about this and talking about that. And, you know, we all just kind of kept getting doors shut in our face, which was kind of shocking to all of us. And then you start watching. You start seeing you start hearing what's happening. You go to the school board meetings and you're like, what are you paying for here? What are you spending your money on? Like a bunch of general stuff. Like I think you need to break that $500,000 of general stuff out for us because that's where they hide it. That's where they hide a lot of the funding for this, this kind of behavior from the schools. And as I got my name out there, I had people coming at me kind of 007 style, like, 
you know, I know somebody who wants to give you some information, but they don't want to be known that they're giving you this information. And that kind of started a whole ball of doing a data request on, on last year, so 2021's teacher education, like the whole district education, because teachers have to have a certain number of hours and they can usually pick and choose, but the district then picks like, this is what we're going to teach you on for this many hours. And that's usually what they do over NEA in October and stuff. Um, and what we got back in that data request is not something I ever thought I'd see. Like, there was a document, six pages long. It said white people, 57 times. It said people of color, 38 times. It said race or racism, over 50 times. In six pages. Six pages. So what are you supposed to see there? What, what are our teachers supposed to get from that? And there was, there was documents saying that our police force is from slave owners and the people who ran like the cotton mills and making the slaves do their thing. That's where they think the police, our current police system is based on. What are our teachers supposed to do with that? Is this... This is stuff strictly that goes to the teachers. Do we know, like, are they? Yes. The teachers are. Well, I mean, if it's going to the teachers, then it was part. It was part of the the district wide training program, and in in my meeting with the superintendent, they said it was an optional training, which is going to be their answer. They're always going to answer it that way. They're always going to tell you that there's not critical race theory. They're always going to tell you that, you know, we want everybody to be tolerant and all that stuff, which we do want, but there's a way to do it. You have to find commonality with people and you're not going to find that as long as people are only seeing color, are only seeing black and white, that there's no way to get a common thread together. and when you dig deeper and you go past the school system and you wonder why are they doing this to our kids? Why is my kid just seeing color now? And it's because it's by design. And that gets really kind of into where they want this country to go, which is kind of a deep, you know, like I said earlier, this stuff kind of spider webs, um, but to keep it kind of here in Minnesota, um, American Experiment is, I follow them, they're very good, they're, oh, yeah. they are apolitical, so when they do, when they do tests or they send out um, questionnaires, it's to a variety of people, not just people who think like them, mm -hmm. you know, which you tend to get sometimes. <clears throat> so they try to really have a fair and even balance response. And more than often, it's 1,500 people or more, and just in Minnesota. So that's why I like to kind of use their information. And, you know, parents in, in Minnesota, they want, based on, on one of their studies, what's the main purpose of education, 59% of the parents asked wanted core academic subjects in K through 8. And that didn't change for grades 9 through 12. 
What did change was in K through 8, 46% of the parents wanted socialization for their kids. That dropped way down to 43% in grades 9 through 12, and then they, in grades 9 through 12, 49% want kids to become independent thinkers. Now, to, in, in order to get an independent thinker, we need to teach critical thinking skills, which you need to provide multiple different views on something, which is not anything that the teacher training had. There was no opposing views. There was like 10 letters from trans kids that were suicidal and then they were going to college with no reason why they're, they changed, why they're not suicidal now. They're really, you know, and suicide is a very big epidemic among teenagers mm -hmm. right now. And so I questioned them. I'm like, so what was the purpose of showing this to the teachers? And why, why isn't there, like, 30 years later, I transed, and 30 years later, this is, this is how my life is? Because it's very important to know that. Because these are all, in high school, I wanted to be trans, I trans, and now I'm 21 going to college. Like, that doesn't give a very big depth to what's going on there mm -hmm. and why they do that. Mm -hmm. And none of their training had to do with any kind of mental illness that the kids are having these days, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it's just a big, a big onion and you just have to take the time to peel it all back. Um, I think that Moms for Liberty's views are very apolitical. It should reach parents across the political board. Every parent wants their kid to do the best they possibly can. You have kids in Big Lake who were told to put chains and signs on because for white privilege and put on get on their knees. Do you want that to happen to your kid? You know what I mean? And like nobody should want their kid to endure that. No. Uh, yeah, I mean I've told my wife that uh, when we moved out here from South St. Paul, first it was <laughs> First, it was uh, we had just had enough of uh, people walking down the street screaming and swearing. And then uh, on the bus stop, a hundred feet from us one night, uh, there were cops there because somebody got stabbed. And then the summer of 2020 happened. And we were like, uh, yeah, it's time to head out west and get a little more rural. Uh, and then what's crazy to me is that you come out to these little cities that are 45 minutes, an hour outside, and you'd think that you'd have sanity. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it's just, it's just seeping everywhere. It is. Uh, um, yeah, uh, continue if you have any more. I'll, I'll think of more things. So the critical race theory that everybody talks about, you hear a lot about on the news, um, has a lot, a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of different things going on. But what's happening in Minnesota is in 2004, our legislature gave the Minnesota Department of Education the power to make their own boards for social studies standards, sex education standards, and English standards that our schools 
educate by. And they didn't keep, they did not keep the power, the legislature did not keep the power to see who was on the board and to control who was on the board. So the people you have on the board for the social study standards, if you've read any of that, is deplorable. But those are people that have infiltrated our system and they know where the weaknesses are and they, they, they go for these high spots like on these, on these committees for the social studies standards and they put in there their own bias opinions. They have kicked out critical thinkers. They have kicked out people who challenge their beliefs and their thoughts. And that's why our new social study standards are so stacked to more liberal thinking views and more needing more social justice education. And social justice is, is um, a whole other animal because you can't have just social justice for the past. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can only take what we have here today and, and find our common ground and move forward together as a people. Like that's all we can do. We can't make amends for the past. And when people focus on that, that's when they bring everybody down. And that's what a lot of these people who are on these boards focus on. They want to make up for the past. They want the future to reflect how it should have been or how it should be made up for. They don't reflect people finding something common with each other and moving forward together, which you're going to have a much happier group of people because you're not going to have one person going, well, I'm never going to get that job because I'm a person of color. And they have always told me that I'm oppressed and I have a white person sitting right next to me going for the same job. So I'm just going to leave this job interview because I'm obviously never going to get it. And to think like that is so sad because you might be the right person for that job. But you'll never know because why would you bother if you've been told over and over and over again that that's what they want. And that's how critical race theory and a lot of these, a lot of these angles these people are taking are going to break down the community barrier. I mean, we're a community, you have your own opinions, you have your own thoughts, but there is one single truth between us, you know, and the truth of you don't murder people, you know, you don't hit people, you don't cut somebody else's hair. I mean, simple things like I stop at a stop sign. That's a truth that we both know is true. But if you're like, well, I don't really want to stop at that stop sign. How can I trust you if we're both at the same stop sign? Are you going to run the stop sign this time and hit me? But then is it your truth that you didn't have a stop sign, so you could hit me? That that whole line uh, that I've even heard my brother, who now thinks way more like I do, uh, I mean, I've even heard him say it, this whole my truth mm -hmm. is just terrifying. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, well, like you said, like, there had like for all of us to uh, function in a reasonable society, there has to be like quite a few set truths that everybody can just point to, 
uh, and yeah, their their whole their whole line of speaking my truth. Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, just <laughs> opens the door for is somebody uh, is somebody who has a bigger bank account than me. Uh, my truth that's that's now mine. Right. Can, does that mean I can? Does that mean I can go to uh, all of my half siblings who have far more money than me, and my sister who's so far uh, away from my point of view? Uh, can can I just can my truth be that her house is now mine? Right. I mean, where does it stop? I think that's the 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 question to always ask is where where does it stop? Right. And it doesn't. No. It never stops. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, with. In in my opinion, with the left, there they know no stop signs. They know no stop lights. Yes. Once once it begins, it, it just it keeps going until uh, you know we can identify as a, a female Cambodian dolphin, and then I mean, what what amazing things do I get to do throughout the day in my life if I am a female Cambodian dolphin? Right. Who's going to tell me that I can't? go do whatever I want uh, right. and obviously that's a little bit of hyperbole and, but I think the point still stands that it doesn't stop and they right. just they don't want it to stop you know in schools like just yesterday um, there was a group that wanted to have a walkout and because the kids did not leave the school property they did not have to tell the parents but for a in for a for a group to work inside the school. So say I wanted to start Sunshine Club at Buffalo High School. I go to the the school teacher that maybe I like the most, or I go to the principal and I say, "Hey, I want to start a Sunshine Club." And they go, "Hey, that's a great idea. Let me get approval for that." So they're going to be my sponsor. That teacher or that principal now is my sponsor for me starting the Sunshine Group. Okay? So me and this teacher start the sunshine group. I print up my little flyers. I get people to come to my meeting. We have a meeting in the school and the teacher that's sponsoring it is supposed to be there and, and navigating it, maybe guiding us a little or just sitting in the corner, letting us do whatever we want about sunshine. And that means that this group that staged the walkout has teachers supporting it if it's in the school. And that also means that the school is approving their activity. So in light of that, where, where does the school say studying and learning things should be what we do? This is what we do in school. If you want to have a walkout or have some kind of demonstration, maybe that's for after school. Have kids stay after school. We can do it after school. Why during the day do they support this kind of activity when it's not only singles out the kids that don't want to participate, because who doesn't support not violence in school, right? Mm -hmm. So therefore, they're creating two different groups because this group is in the right. They're out protesting in school. They walk out of their class. You got the kids who stayed in class, who don't not care, but they find that their schooling is much more important because maybe that's an avenue that they can take to make the world a better place, is learning things 
and being an active person in their society, maybe being a lawyer someday, that solves all of those problems. Not a protester. But nobody's going to point that out to anybody. So these kids feel ostracized because the school lets them do that. <laughs> Parents need to really just start asking questions. Why did you, why, principal so-and-so, did you let this happen? And don't take the, the answer of, well, it's not really my call, because it's 100% their call. They can always say no to anything that a student body is doing on their property. They can tell them, wait till after school. But they want, whoever they are, they, they want kids to see that there's multiple groups and Wi-Fi common ground, you know, because maybe more kids would have participated in the walkout after school and their parents would have had to come pick them up and maybe there would have been more questions and that's why they did it during school. Who knows what their real answer is, but parents need to start learning to ask the hard questions. Why is that poster in your classroom? Why is that flag in your classroom? Why isn't there an American flag in your classroom? Why isn't a picture of the United States of America president in your classroom? And you're a history teacher. Whoever it may be. Whoever it may be. Because <laughs> um, no matter who it is, we have to want them to do the best they can for us. <laughs> the... Uh... Yeah, the, the whole, and maybe you can speak on it a little more, or uh, maybe not, uh, the whole idea of children basically becoming the property of the schools once they get there. Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've heard any stories out here, but uh, I've listened to Megan Kelly's podcast quite a bit, and she's had numerous guests on that have talked about how kids will get to school and the school will let them go receive hormone therapy mm -hmm. without the parents' knowledge. And uh, I was in a group of people, um, I don't know, a year ago or so, and somebody made the statement how great it was that kids were going behind their parents' back to get the vaccine. And I thought, I don't think it's a good idea for kids to be going behind their parents' back for anything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got into a lot of trouble in my teens and 20s because I was doing things behind my parents' back, specifically. Right. Uh, and the other, the other thing that's just terrible, I mean, and who, I guess I don't quite know how, how much, or how the parents would go about knowing about, like, groups that are going on in school. But I think another thing that I believe has been studied and documented is uh, this number, like, the number of uh, transitioning teens is by no means natural. Right. Like, it is such a, I mean, think about kids at the most vulnerable, awkward, terrible time in their life to then be in groups where 
things are being said that maybe they don't agree with, maybe they just don't care, but at the time of your life when there's nothing more important than being accepted and being cool and being different and being unique, maybe I am a, a different gender. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I mean, South Park does a great job of just excoriating everybody. Uh, and the, the episode on how Caitlyn Jenner is not a hero <laughs> and how the whole entire community turned against him, uh, whoever it was, Stan or uh, I can't remember. But, I mean, I feel like that does still, I mean, but obviously what they were trying to say is that, or maybe they weren't, but how I took it was that, I mean, you have kids at this time in their life where, they are viewed as a hero, and I'm sure a lot of these teachers would view them as a hero for coming out, mm -hmm. even if they're not even. A, and and I have no problem with people who don't feel like they're in the right body, or they don't feel they're the gender that uh, was given to them when they came out. Um, but yeah, to to have so little power as a parent. Um, not knowing what's going on with stuff like that that's i mean and obviously we've seen that the suicide rate among the trans community is through the roof and i mean could it possibly be that that wasn't really what you wanted to do it was more of an attention grab as a teenager and now you've locked everything off and what do you do right <laughs> i mean so in the 40s and 50s what was what was america's number one answer to mental health issues. Do you know? Lobotomies. Oh, sure. They did 45,000 lobotomies in those 10 years. And now we know that lobotomies is not the answer. Mm -hmm. When somebody's depressed, <laughs> yeah. when somebody's suicidal, when somebody laughs a little too much, or when little boys are wild. Mm -hmm. That was their answer in the 40s and 50s. They did it right on the kitchen tables. They would do it in the couches. They do it in a dentist office. It's terrifying. Um, but that's just one of those things where you have to be able to take history and learn from it. Mm -hmm. That was not the right approach. Um, you know, and the trans, the trans thing that's happening. I mean, when I was a kid, I would do anything to cover my body. Like, I developed early, and so I wore the big baby shirts, I wore the hats, I played football, like, climbed the trees, and but never once did I think I was a boy. But outwardly, I'm sure I looked like I could have thought I was a boy. And when you are so susceptible at that teenage age where you just want to be accepted, like, you just want somebody, and you walk into this room... And you're all alone out in school and you walk into this room and there's all this acceptance and all this love and all this that you just crave. Why wouldn't you meld into that? Oh, yeah. And so what we're missing, I think, is real questions for these kids. And not to say or take away how they feel, but it's up to us to really ask questions because kids need guidance they have to have guidance they have to have the hard questions asked and that's for where we are right now parents have for far too long trusted schools 
and trusted teachers. And that's where I say you have to ask the questions. You have to get to the bottom of this. Why does the discovery teacher, kindergarten's discovery teacher, have rainbow hair today? Tell me why. And I don't want some sloughed off answer. I want to know why. Because really, I already know. But not everybody knows that. So parents, when you have a question, you need to ask that question. And you have the right to answer, ask that question. And you have the right to get an answer for that question. Nobody takes your kids for eight hours a day and doesn't ever answer a question to you. And, you know, Moms for Liberty, we're fighting to get parents back into classrooms. There'd be a lot less said, there'd be a lot more control over the school system if we were walking down the hallway, if we were sitting in the classroom. If you, and, and teachers are struggling. So many teachers I talk to are struggling so hard. Their, their case is overloaded. I mean, I couldn't imagine being a teacher right now. It'd be awful. And to have a parent there helping, maybe helping answer questions, maybe helping get scissors out. Like, who knows how much help there'll be. But to have that parent in there would not only help the students, it would help the teachers, and it would increase transparency, which is so what's missing. There's a super imbalance of transparency in schools. And schools for far too long have gone, gotten away with taking, taking this for granted. And I think that, that we have woken up because we were allowed finally in the classroom for two years on COVID. And we got to hear the things that the teachers are saying to the, to the point where in Tennessee, the school sent home a document for, for parents to sign saying they would not be in the room while the kids were in school. Don't even have control over your own kitchen. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, that is a so in-your-face assault on your parents' rights that I'm not surprised that most of those board members were voted out. You know, Moms for Liberty has gotten 331 new board, school board members across this country in the last election. And we're hoping to get even more just with the huge outcry for change that parents are finally starting to see. Uh, school boards is something that at the last meeting, or the one that I met you at, and maybe I understood it wrong, or maybe, I assure you, I'm guessing you'll clarify, uh, but how I understood it was that um, you're doing your best to get well, transparency on the school boards, but you're doing it in a way where you ask questions to them. Mm -hmm. Am I am I remembering this correct? And uh, that, and maybe I just made this part up. Um, that that it was kind of like a uh, it was kind of like a if you want to answer the questions, we know where you're at, and if you refuse to answer the questions. We've maybe got a good idea right. that we don't want you on that board. And I just, I thought that was just a genius way of yep. doing a very simple thing of, can you answer these questions? And basically the yes or no answer says, well, we probably don't want you then if you don't right. to answer these questions. Yep. Uh, elaborate on that. So our school boards, they the false part is school boards don't have any power. 
That is completely wrong. <laughs> School boards well, shoot. <laughs> have a lot of power, and they just need to wield it. Mm -hmm. They are. We are independent school districts in this in this state. We can make any correction. We can do any curriculum that we see fit, and the the state cannot withhold money to the school. So no matter what we do, we can teach pom pom class and say that's for SEL learning and the state cannot withhold money. You will hear over and over again that well we have to do this because otherwise we don't get paid and that's totally not true. Um, and where you know you were talking about the trans things and then we were talking about the protests and stuff that you avoid those things or have more control over those things with policies that the school board makes. Now, if the school board is not going to make a policy, then it's up to the school itself or the teacher to decide how to deal with that. But if there's not an overreaching policy that the school board's like, this is our policy, we are going to count four times, you know, on each hand. That's every day before social studies. Like, they can make that policy, and that's what every social studies teacher must do. Um, so, to think that these people who have been on school boards for 20 years, they don't have kids in the school anymore, slightly detached, maybe, from what's actually going on. Um, they get pushed around a lot by the union. The union wants um, them to always vote 0-7 on everything. And, you will see, and if you look at the Buffalo... Hanover Montrose School Board, they do that. Um, you need a voice out there to say, okay, I am not voting for that. And even if you're over, even if you're not going to win, you still need to vote no. You still need to have that back and forth in, in, the, in, the, in that environment, in the, where people can come watch and see you kind of have that back and forth. And that's how you use the John Roberts rules. Like, so if I get it, if I get on the school board, I could be like, so why are you approving this money? And then you use the John Roberts rules to have a discussion in the open court that's all put on display. Mm -hmm. And people can go back and read that later. It gets on the minutes and stuff like that. That's how you start using the system against itself in order to pe make people show their true colors. Now, they're struggling with that in Hastings. Huge, huge upsets um, where just three parents were sick of the sex being taught in schools and all of that, and they decided to just run for school board. And in talking with them, I mean, it's just incredible the amount of pushback they get, the brutal bullying that they get from the union because they're like, we're not listening to you. This are, these are our kids. And we're not going to kowtow to you. But they're still a minority. So hopefully they're using the John Roberts rules to kind of pull these things out and talk about these things. So when the next set of parents run for the other four seats, they will get the majority and have a more conservative board and start taking care of some of these policies. But that's how the school board really can have control over the schools, but they choose not to. They choose to kind of let the unions do what they want and are basically little puppets 
for the unions. If you're on the school board, are you in the union or no? Or you don't have, obviously, that's just slowly, solely the teachers. Union. Right. Yeah. But they, um, they, they, the union does um, support certain people for school board. They want certain people on the school board because they know they will make the votes that they want. So this, the union is very active with the people running for school board and actively participating in, against people who they don't want, don't know, can't control running for school board. So <clears throat> when you see conservatives win, or when you see people who are just the mom down the street won school board, she had to work her butt off for that. She had to knock on a lot of doors because that union is putting money into it, making phone calls, sending out the letters, and all you got, all the mom got is this ugly book, and look at what your school is doing. Look at this book. Now vote for me. Because I'll get rid of this book. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely an uphill battle to get conservatives or pro-parent. I'm not even going to say conservatives. I'm going to say pro-parent and pro-kids people on the school board. Um, what else today? What? What? What is? Well, maybe you just went through it. Um, the most important thing you would want parents to know that they possibly have no idea about when it comes to all of this. They have every right to opt out of any school test that they see unfit. They have every right to ask to see the tests ahead of time. Um, we sign in the beginning of every year, we sign a little waiver that says, yeah, you can take my kid's picture. And on that, they kind of sneak in these tests. So don't sign that. And go talk to them and be like, you know what, I don't mind if you take my kid's picture. But I want to see each and every test that you're going to give to me. Because that's where you see all of these weird questions. Like, do you see yourself as pansexual? Do you know what a pansexual is? Um... And there are, I mean, there's multiple questions, and not only is that against Article 6, which is a whole other episode, so I won't go into that, but, I mean, you, parents just have the right to ask questions, and don't, and, and be fearless about it. I mean, these are your kids. If somebody was trying to come kidnap your kid, would you be like, oh, sorry, no. You would fight your buns off, to, you would chase that car, you would jump on the hood, you would be like, where are you taking my kid? And that's how you need to respond to these teachers who try and stonewall you. These principals that try and stonewall you and give you one-word answers. Like, they have a lot more answers than that, and you need to not accept some of the, you know, some of the answers to your questions and demand answers. Like, what is human geography? What is it? <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. I did a little research, and it looked like, to me, on the, on the surface... And now you always have to delve into stuff. But on the surface, it looked like geography as in places on the earth that humans live, what kind of humans live on these certain places on the earth. So seems, it seems pretty innocent, but I don't, like the, I don't like the verbiage. So as a parent, I will be asking more questions about that, and I will be doing my own research. Because that's, a, that's the key. You need to be... You also need to be prepared with your questions. Like, what is human geography? Here's what I found. Answer the question for me. 
and make sure they ask, answer you. Yeah, that the the, the whole uh, phenomenon of these innocent phrases and these innocent way they explain something. Uh, just the <laughs> diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion. I mean, uh, <laughs> equity means that equality of outcome, obviously. Right. Uh, diversity is solely skin color. Yep. And inclusion is we will include you if you agree with us on diversity and equity. Right. <laughs> uh, they're pretty. They're pretty words, aren't they? And uh, oh, what else did I? I forgot. Um, it's spider webs. I'm telling you. Yep. <laughs> it goes everywhere. Uh, let me pause. And how uh, they will say that they're not teaching critical race theory or they're not doing anything, but then if you were to say, well then why did you split your children up by race? What was the, what was that lesson? How, you know, and then they obviously possibly have a very slick answer for it. And, mm -hmm. uh, do you think they would do that if parents were in the schoolroom? No. Yeah. Um, and just so many of these, you know, let's say we're not we're not teaching this, we're not teaching that at the school, but then you will look on the reading list right there on their website, and there will be a whole bunch of books, and maybe it's not a book that says we are teaching mm -hmm. critical race theory, but as I point to my brother, who's been in the school system for 23 years, uh, and has basically seen the light, I've asked him, I mean, do you have this at your school? And his answer is, no, we don't have it officially, but there are so many teachers that teach it. They just don't, it's not by name. It's, but it's, and it comes from, uh, you know, so many, especially young teachers are coming straight from the universities where they have professors who have lived their entire professional lives going from high school when it was sane to college when it started becoming insane and then they took that insanity further and then are and now teaching. And they're insulated from it. Yeah. So they're insulated from their own teaching. That's what's always kind of impressive to me that they even get this done is because they are so insulated. These things that they teach are not affecting them. They don't have to have their because their kids are in private schools, right? <laughs> yeah, lots of times. I mean, if you have a private school that's putting your kids on their knees with the science is white privilege, you're gonna have a problem with that school. They're not gonna be able to get away with that. Where public schools have that, the parents are letting them get away with that stuff, and they have let them get away with it. But I think that that the tide is turning there. That. What I have found in starting Moms for Liberty is we are stronger together. And I know that sounds really stupid, but I mean that in, I can be in my schools, my kids' conferences. I'm all alone. I don't have the 50, 50 ladies behind me. I, but I can know 
that what I'm saying is supported by them. And what I'm asking is supported by them. Um. So that gives us all a little more strength. Okay, we're back from another six-year-old interruption. Um, but Angie is now going to take us through where she would like to head next time she comes back. So next time I think that we will kind of delve into what it takes to do a data request. Um, what kind of information you want in there, why you want that information, how to limit your, your dates, and what you're actually figure out what you're actually looking for because if you listen to the news or if you listen to any of this kind of stuff, um, schools will tell you that they can charge a certain amount of money for so if you say I want all your critical race theory statements, then they're gonna be like, well that'll be three hundred thousand dollars. And that's not a lie. So can they charge that? Can they not charge it? Um, we're going to kind of delve into that in our next episode, really focus on the paperwork, where to get the paperwork, what websites help you, um, things like that. So I think that's the first place, you know, if parents have questions and they're not getting answers, that's a great way to get the answers you want. And that's a great way to get some, get noticed that you're serious about wanting to know the answers because it's kind of scary for them because they have not you know, had this kind of pressure on them ever, the school system. So I think next time that is what we'll focus on. Sounds good. Okay, everybody. Uh, this concludes our first uh, interview slash conversation and hope it didn't go off the tracks too hard. A few little toddler interruptions, not the end of the world. Uh, thank you for listening and... Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else I want to say other than this was wonderful. I can't wait to keep doing this. And with uh, new guests, I've got some lined up that are hopefully going to come through. I would imagine they will. I don't know why you wouldn't want to come talk to me. Right? Easy to talk to. Yep. Very, very. I agree with you. Okay. Uh, keep it logical. Keep it right. Right, County. Rock and roll.